Welcome back to the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show, episode 26 with Joe and Nick. We've got a great guest for you again tonight. Tonight we're going to have Jeremy Popoff, guitar player from the band Lit. Nice. Lit had a lot of big hits. Yeah, they were a good band. Came out, what, late 90s, I want to say? 97, I think their first album was. Yeah, uh, they were. Yeah, then they, they got... Uh... Big around '99 with 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 uh, all those uh, what was it my my own worst enemy and all that uh, miserable and uh, Ziploc, yeah, tons of songs that I'm sure everybody listening knows. Big radio hits, yeah, huge, not big, huge, huge, and MTV too. When MTV played music, yeah, remember those days? Mm-hmm. Those were good days. <laughs> but yeah, so we're gonna talk to Jeremy tonight. I'm excited about that. If you're listening to the show, which I'm sure you are, because if you're hearing my voice right now, you must be listening to the show. You can help support the show by sharing our episodes. Share it on all your social media. Follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are on Twitter now. We have a Twitter account, Nick. Nice. Do you have a Twitter account? I used to. <laughs> no? No more? Well. No, no. No. Not anymore. Not by my choice either. Well, follow us on those sites, share the episodes that will help grow this show and help us continue to get great guests like Jeremy Popoff. So we're going to talk to him right now. Let's call him. Am I ring? Hey, man. What's up, Jeremy? It's Joe and Nick with the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show. How are you? Hey guys, good. Hey Jeremy, welcome. You doing Thanks. all right out out there in Nashville? Yeah, man, it's a little you know, it's crazy like everywhere else is, but um, but yeah, we're doing okay. How long how long you've been out there? Uh, full time, like homeless in California. Um, uh, since the beginning of all the COVID lockdown shit, so. Um, can't, we moved here full time in March, but I've been coming back and forth for probably 15, 16 years. Yeah. Nashville seems like the hot place right now. Yeah. Everybody's in Nashville now. Yeah. I've always loved it. I started coming out here to write music, um, around Oh five. And I felt, I fell in love with it then. And it's always been like my second home. Well, literally I've, I've had a, I've had a house here for, since 07 and then um but yeah it's a good place man it's all I've all, it's a completely different place than it was in 05 but i still love it yeah is it is the whole band out there or just you are they still in california or uh my brother just moved here and um so him and i are here kevin's still in uh, in orange county okay um and our drummer taylor is actually from here and he goes he's in la but he goes back and forth so yeah um, you you glad to be out of la yeah yeah i, bet. <laughs> I lived out there yeah, for about man. five years and it was five years was good yeah i mean i was you know born and raised in southern california and um and my whole family i mean we we were i don't i'm not one of those guys that has family all over the place i literally my whole family is was all right there and um now we're all here my mom my dad a brother we're all we're all within like a mile of each other here in, in nice. nashville so that's cool. Yeah, that's, that's cool you know a long time ago jeremy i think i told you in uh our communications earlier in the weeks but my band last great hope played with you guys probably uh i want to say around 2005 you guys played a show in florida and we played with you guys. We opened for you. And I want to say you guys did a very good job of following us. <laughs> Thanks, man. We tried. <laughs> no, you guys had a great show. And you guys were great to us. And I always remember that. You know, we've played with a lot of bands. And I always remember that show because I'm sure you don't remember because you've played so many shows. But you and I were hanging out backstage outside. It was an outside by your bus kind of thing. And I don't know how we got on the conversation, but we started talking about um, bands and Skid Row. 
And then, oh, yeah. yeah. And then uh, at the time, Scotty Hill from Skid Row lived out there. And I was friends with Scotty. And we tried to call him to get him to come to the show, but he didn't answer. Just a little story. I'm sure you don't remember. What, what city in Florida was that? It was in Bradenton by Sarasota, Florida. Okay. Yeah, a long time ago. Like I said, around 2005. <clears throat> but yeah. He's in LA now. Yeah, he is. He moved out there maybe about seven years ago or so. Something like that. I, I've lost contact with him. I haven't talked to him in a few years. But I haven't talked to a lot of those boys in a while. I know it's, I sent uh, Rachel a, a DM a few weeks ago because he's out here in nashville right and um i think snake might be too but i know snake was going back and forth for a while but um yeah i love those dudes man they're great guys yeah they've always been good every time i've been around them they've been good to me so yeah um let's uh let's start your uh your journey a little bit when you were a kid do you remember the first time you you got the music bug like when you started getting into music uh man I, I, I my parents will tell you that i was able to whistle a tune before i was able to talk um i would i loved music from the time that i was able to know you know hear it and know it and um, my dad was a radio dj um from the time I think his first radio gig, wow, you know, my whole life he's been, he was in radio because I was a baby when he got his first radio gig. And then when AJ was born two years later, he, that was when we, he was in radio in Southern California. And his first couple stations were um, country stations. And so, you know, my first favorite song, I think, when I was like two was, you know, um, you know, it was probably a Charlie Rich song or, you know, something like that. But um, we were surrounded by music. I mean, be, it was our dad being on the radio, I mean, we literally would listen to him when he was on the radio, and then he would bring albums home from the station every day. And so we had a massive vinyl collection in our living room. It was it was part of the furniture, you know. We just had right. stacks of vinyl leaning against the wall on the carpet, you know. And then um, our our grandfather was also a uh, musician. He was a drummer and a organ player and a singer, and he he had been in uh in like the big band era after world war ii and so that was where we got like our our you know sinatra glenn miller um that whole scene um so we kind of were you know we had a lot of different music around us at a very early age but it was probably when we had an older cousin who was really into ACDC and Ted Nugent and Van Halen and, and, um, and he kind of introduced it in black Sabbath. He was really a huge Sabbath fan and he introduced us to heavy metal. When we were kid, and, you know, we were probably nine and seven. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then he convinced us that we needed to go see this band called Iron Maiden in concert. And so we convinced our dad to take us and, that was in, uh, I think that was in 1980 and that wow. was, uh, the killers tour. So that was the old school Iron Maiden and they were opening up for UFO and that was our first concert and that changed our lives. I mean, that was, you know, we were, we were really into music up till that point, but after that night of seeing that we never, there was nothing else that we ever wanted to do other than do that one day. Isn't that amazing how a live performance can grab you like that and just take oh, over? Oh man, yeah, it was. I mean, it was life changing. Just, just to, to see it, to witness it, and to feel the energy. We were like, I mean, that's that's just all we ever wanted to do after that. And then, you know, and then years later, it was um, we saw we got into some local bands in L.A. and stuff that were that kind of showed us like, oh wait, you could actually do this on this level too. And that's pretty cool. So that's kind of why we started, started our band, you know, in high school was so we could play the Troubadour, you know, play right. the Roxy. And, um, so, but yeah, that, that live show experience, definitely life changing. Nice. Have you guys been in bands together your whole life or was there a time when you guys were in different bands? 
I was in a band. I'm two years older than AJ. We're we're a week apart, um, dates wise, but we're two years apart, almost exactly. And um, wow. so when I was 16, I played in a band with some older dudes and um, kind of learned, you know, I learned a lot. And those like from probably from 15 to 15 to 18, you know, I was in a couple bands. And then, um, but, you know, since then, I mean, since 18, I mean, AJ and I and Kevin, the three of us have been together since, I think the first time we played together was, was 1988. Wow. Now your, bro- your brother started off as a drummer, right? He did. Yeah. 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 When we were kids, he had the, he was the drummer. He had a drum set in the garage and, and, um, and we would jam, you know, I kind of. He he was he was still. I mean, I, I dropped out of high school as a junior to, so I could play in a band, and so we were playing bars and rehearsing till wee hours of the night. And I, I figured like, oh well, this is it. This is what I want to do. And so, um, you know, I I was even though we were two years apart, I was kind of a, several years further along, I guess, in that sense because he was, you know, he was still a freshman in high school. That we didn't have a lot of. Um, he didn't really have an option to do anything like that. So I was running around playing and doing, doing that kind of shit. But, uh, and eventually when him and Kevin were jamming together before I even, you know, before we all joined together, he was playing drums and, but he was constantly coming back, you know, coming out from behind the drums and like trying to teach guys how the song would go and try to teach guys how to, how to sing the parts. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think Kevin one day was just like, dude, why don't you just be the singer? Yeah, it was a good choice because he's a great singer, you know. <laughs> he had the longest hair and you know, <laughs> guy, and so they're like, "Yeah, you be the front guy." Can does he still play? He doesn't. He doesn't. He can. Um, every once in a while, he'll mess around, but he, yeah, he doesn't have. Uh, he doesn't have a drum set anymore. Right. Right. And did you always play guitar? Uh, I started at, uh, with the organ. I think I was probably maybe seven or eight and um and I started uh on the organ and then the lady that I took lessons from she was kind of a an older sort of overweight lady that had like you know 18 organs set up in her living room and you know would give lessons to a bunch of kids right but she had but she had this like hot daughter that would teach guitar to kids upstairs so I'd be uh-huh. kind of I'd be kind of like sitting at the organ <laughs> learning how to play, you know, baby elephant walk or whatever. And then I would see like <laughs> these young dudes with guitar cases walking upstairs with these, with this like hot chick. I was like, fuck, I want to do that. <laughs> the organ wasn't going to get you there. Screw the organ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So then you guys got together and when you formed lit, what year was that when you became lit? Uh, well, our first incarnation when we were in high school was called Razzle and we were, we were all, you know, long hair, um, sunset strip. Um, we were the kids of that era cause we, we were all still kind of in high school or just post high school and we were, um, and that's what all the chicks were into and, and that's where all the, all ages clubs were located. So, you know, we were kind of doing that sort of you mentioned Skid Row. We we were probably along those lines, like somewhere between Skid Row and Guns N' Roses and, and, okay. and Warrant and shit. Yeah, you know? well, that's, then, what, yeah. that's what was in mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think I'm about the same age as you, and yeah, of course, that had all that shit. But we ended up um, probably about 91, I want to say. We scrapped Razzle. We didn't really tell anybody. We just Because we got pretty popular. Um, he, Razzle was selling out clubs in Hollywood and and had a pretty good following and we we just scrapped it we got rid of the name we got rid of the songs we got rid of the mailing list got rid of our contact list um, you know got rid of a, a fifth member that we had at the time and 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 just started you know because we were we were getting older and music was changing and our tastes were changing you know we were really we loved um a lot of the new stuff that was coming out and 
Um, so I, I would probably guess like 91, 92 was when we changed, when we reemerged as a, as a stain mm-hmm. and the, our first album tripping light fantastic was originally called lit. So the band was called stain. The album was called lit. And, um, before we released it, cause we were on an independent label at the time called delicious vinyl. And when they, right before they sort of went into pr- uh, production, they found some dude, some dude in Ohio, like had the name stain and, and he wasn't cool about it. So we changed it and lit was already kind of there. Uh-huh. So we changed it to lit, you know? And then, uh, a few years later we, <laughs> we got sued by a guy who had lit. We had to pay him off. No, gee, but, shit, really? Uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. I don't, I, I mean, unless you just come up with some ridiculous name, that means nothing. I think everything's taken. Right. Right. Well, you know, with, there's so many uh, crazy names, I guess you would say, but, but they become great bands and then all of a sudden the name isn't so crazy. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you get used to, you get yeah. used to anything. Like, uh, Cinderella, perfect example. Yeah. I mean, it's ultimately whatever, but it's hard, you know, it's hard it to, is. It's hard to start from something like that and then just hope. Yeah. <laughs> hope right. People react to it. Cause you know, when you're, when you're younger, you want something that looks cool on a sticker. You want something that looks cool on a shirt. You want to be able to tell people about your band and, you know, have it be cool and not, and not have people constantly be going, what the hell does that mean? Exactly. But, it's hard well it it worked out for you um and then so when did you guys sign your major label deal yeah 1998 late late 98 so was it like seven years you said 91 was when uh you were with the independent label no the, the delicious vinyl we signed that deal in 96 i believe okay. and okay. tripping came out Originally came out in 97 and then 98, we signed with RCA and then beginning of 99 is when, um, place in the sun came out. We were, we were pretty much signed and in the studio and then on the radio all within a matter of like three months. It was a real, wow. it, it was like 10 years in the making. And then it was like three months and of just like a whirlwind of, of chaos. And then, and then we were out on the road and never looked back. Yeah, yeah, that that album blew up. It, it was everywhere. You turn on the radio, it was on there, MTV. It was just good, good catchy stuff, you know. Yeah, thanks man. Yeah, it was a, it was a trip cuz you know, we went from you know, we went from watching TRL every day to being on TRL and 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 you know, we were fans of the other bands that we were on the countdown with and we were fans of bands that we were showing up playing these radio festivals uh with and that literally we were playing radio festivals with bands that we had paid to see a year before you know right, right. so um it was a crazy time i was pretty and and we're super we talk about it these days a lot because those days just are gone and they'll never be back you know the days right. of kids like jamming home from school so they can catch trl or you know setting their vcr so they can watch it when they get home from football practice or, you know, whatever, or, or, you know, staying up late on Saturday to watch headbangers ball Headbangers ball or yeah. 120 minutes. I mean, we were those guys, you know, we were, we, we, that was our deal. So when we got to actually be on there, it was just, we were, I mean, the first time Matt Pintil interviewed us on MTV, we were fucking starstruck. <laughs> yeah, <I> bet. <laughs> we were like asking him questions, you know, and especially like in between takes, we were like, so dude, like, you know, I mean, cause we were, fans you know yeah it's crazy well i mean you can't help but being like that though i would think well it was just our whole world you know music was just you know eat breathe sleep and shit i mean we had a we had a thousand square foot warehouse in anaheim in the industrial part of anaheim and we had that place for years and years and years and it was just a you know we were there four or five nights a week for you know five six hours a night and friends would stop by and bring 12 packs and 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 we would just hang out and smoke cigarettes and 
drink natural lights and and jam and write songs and you know rehearse for our next uh, you know our show coming up and people would stop it was just like a it was a you know if you can imagine almost like what a biker you know clubhouse would look like and right. it was like that but it was a band and it was just a band clubhouse and it was a kind of just a a place where everyone knew like no matter what night of the week it was or what time of the night it was oh let's go by you know let's go by the lit warehouse and yeah, we'd be there. <laughs> That's so fun. It was just, yeah, it was just uh, yeah, it was our whole, just our whole existence. So, um, and just fans, you know, like that's how we actually met Kevin. Originally, was um, it's funny. Our, our 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 one of our good friends, T Bone, who actually is he's a you know he he runs the House of Blues in Anaheim now, but he's just a kid that we grew up. Him and I were best friends in seventh grade, and um. And I, he was living in these apartments, and Kevin was living in the neighborhood right behind it. And Kevin would come over. Kevin was like the kid on Beavis and Butthead with the winger shirt, <laughs> and because uh, he was into like me and me and T Bone were super into Maiden and you know Metallica and Judas Priest and all that stuff. And Kevin was into uh, Dokken and. Uh, Van Halen and Journey, and he was just like he was into like the nothing wrong with those bands. I fucking love Doc and George Lynch was my favorite guitar players, but um, but Kevin was definitely into like the you know the 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 what was that kid's name? He he was that kid. It's hilarious. But so he would come over uh, to to Tony's apartment and like trade tear out posters from like Metal Edge and Circus Magazine of like, dude, I'll trade you. Uh, I'll trade you this maiden for like two of the Dawkins. <laughs> that was that kind of shit. And that's how we met him, you know? So just, it's one of the cool things about, I think about our story is that we were friends because of music before we even knew how to play music. And then we learned how to play music together. And then 10 years later, we got to do what we got to do, you know? So, and we're still together. And so you're still together. That, that's, that is crazy. I mean, did you ever think that it would last this long? I mean, I'm sure you, at the beginning, you're not thinking long-term like that, but looking back, are you like, man, how did we make it this far? It's kind of crazy. I mean, I don't think we, I don't think we thought that far ahead. Yeah. I mean, I don't think. Yeah, you're just living in the moment. I mean, I think that, you know, I remember thinking like, well, if this all works out, if this all if 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 everything goes well it's kind of like an athlete like we've got a we've got a, a shelf life you know no one's you'd be, it'd be crazy to think that you're going to be the next aerosmith or you know or the next uh it, i mean think of how many bands are out there that have had careers that have spanned you know 20 30 years or more it's there's only a you know you can count them on one hand probably right um so i don't even think that that's in the in the cards when you're when you're playing you just you're just hoping like wow you know hope we drew 80 people tonight i hope we can double that one day and then you double and you're like man we'd rad if we could sell this club out and then you sell that club out and you're like well should we do two nights and then you're like oh should we try to sell out the you know the big ass club and then you start you, you just start having these different goals and these different milestones but i think then you think like wow if we could just get a record deal and just go on tour that would be the shit you know yeah. and the next thing you know you're on tour and you're just like okay and it, and it, you don't have a whole lot of time to really process it or digest it or think about what's next you just you're just holding on for dear life and you know yeah but you know the days of the days of you know having to be in new york to do trl or having to wake up at five in the morning to go play on somebody's morning radio show like those days are you know I mean, I, I think that they're not that we won't do those again, but we're just so, we're just so fortunate and so grateful to be, you know, 20 years later, still making music, still writing new music and, and making new music, but also just having that ability to go out and where, you know, 99 through 04, we were probably doing anywhere from i mean i, I think 99 2000 2001 we were probably doing 300 shows a year and mm. then and then we started having kids and and 
other things going on in our lives and we drop that down to probably half of that and now you know we probably do maybe 50 or 60 a year which is still a you know it's a good amount of shows and it's and it's and it's just awesome i mean we don't we we appreciate it now probably more than ever because you know we still have a blast doing it and we just you know fortunate and blessed to be invited you know to yeah. come out and do it mm-hmm. now did you guys take a break um i mean there was a big span between was that lit and then uh what was the album after that view from the bottom, from the bottom. yeah there was a big span in there what was going on in that span that was probably mo- i think a lot of what was going on was personal what, what a lot of tragedy a lot of tragedy um you know aj and i our parents were involved in a um they were hit on their harley head on by a drunk driver mm. and oh boy um, we lost our stepdad in the accident our mom got really really she was she wasn't supposed to make it through the night she ended up making it and you know she's still here today thank god and she nice. but she got really really fucked up and we had to take care of her for um, you know, for several months when she was in the hospital. And so that kind of sidelined us. And then that was about the time when I started coming to Nashville to just try to get out of Dodge and clear my head a little bit and try to explore my, um, my songwriting horizons, I guess. And Mm -hmm. so started doing that and we were still playing shows, you know, we were actually still playing quite a bit of shows here and there, but we, we got a little bit, you know, we, 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 we took a risk. We were, we were signed to RCA still. So the black album came out, I want to say Oh five. Um, and in, in retrospect, we should have put it out on RCA and just rolled the dice. But we, you know, the reason that we asked RCA to let us out of our deal was because all the people that were there for the place in the sun and atomic stuff, they had all, they were all gone. So we were starting completely from scratch with a whole new team and we were a little nervous and we had this opportunity to do like a joint venture with these other guys and we decided to do that blah 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 and that didn't really work out that well so we were just kind of disenchanted i guess a little bit like we were dealing with a major life family crisis mm-hmm. and then on top of that we were dealing with the changing of the of the industry and then on top of that i started going to nashville every month for a week or so and 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 just really getting into country music and really getting into just the back into the, the you know, the whole songwriting thing. And, and, um, I, I just think it took us a while to, and then, and then right when we probably started to come out of that feeling pretty good. And then we had, I know we had a, a tour with kiss in Europe that was, uh, scheduled and we were getting ready to leave for that. And that's when our drummer got diagnosed with brain cancer. Mm-hmm. And so then there was that whole thing, and that was a year and a half of of we still did a few shows, um, but we were really taking care of him, rallying around him, and dealing with all that. And then after that, when he passed, then there was a couple months of uncertainty and and not knowing. You know, we had been we were the only four guys we'd been together, you know, since we were kids, and so we weren't really sure. Um, we, we we were just never that band that had a revolving door, you know. Right. We never had any members change, and so, but our drum tech, Alan's drum tech at the time, Nate, he was actually with us in the room when Al, when he, you know, when he passed, when he took his last breath. This kid mm-hmm. was in the room with us, helped us carry him down the stairs, and the whole deal, and um, and. I think it was a couple months later we, we just looked at him and we were just like, dude, you're already fucking, you're already part of the family and you're already, you know, the songs obviously, and you're a great drummer. Why don't you just, you know, Al, Al would be stoked if you sat in his chair and, and it just was, was a nat. but I think it took, it just was a, it was a weird time. I mean, it doesn't yeah, seem sounds- look, looking back to like Oh five to 2011, like doesn't, it, it, there was a lot of shit that went down in those years, but we were active and we were writing. We just weren't 
maybe we just weren't ready to to kind of put something out. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. like we're like we're like Def Leppard, you know. We just fucking take like ten years to put a record out. Right. Right. <laughs> well, then you and then you guys did go on to release "These Are the Days," which was a complete turn from what you were doing. Yes, more country country feel to it. Well, it was it was definitely a country record that was came from a real place of you know it was what AJ and I were were into and and I mean we still love country music we're we have a thing we're doing a side project now called Pop Off Brothers which will be more like that it'll be right. it will be more country leaning stuff or whatever the hell we want but the new lit stuff that we're writing right now is is old is old school sounding like we we made a conscious decision after we put that record out it was kind of like we were writing all these songs that we loved and we we started demoing them and we were loving how they sounded and our friends liked them and people were going dude can you send me a copy of that and and you know it felt right and we were kind of like you know what man if people have been following us along this journey and they know who we are that they you know we know it's going to piss off some of the the old school, you know, modern rock purists or whatever. But yeah. it was where we were at at the time. So what we felt was real and, and genuine, and, and, and we hoped that people would just kind of give it a give it a listen. And and um, but we realized that eh, you know it, it was confusing. I mean, it was confusing to not only lit fans, but it was confusing to country music fans because, you know, I still think that that record and a lot of the songs on that record, I think that they hold, they could go toe to toe with anything on the country charts right now. I mean, they, they're, we, we wrote the songs with a lot of our friends who write a lot of the, you know, the big country stuff and we recorded it and, you know, produced by, you know, one of the biggest country producers and mixed by the biggest country mixer. And well, I mean, we, we went for it, you know, yeah. but uh, well, it came out great. Time, like, yeah. It's good stuff. I mean, dang, I mean, we always kept it, I guess we always kind of thought to like, you know, I still have a Telecaster or a Les Paul hanging way too low. I'm still playing through an old vintage Marshall. AJ's still AJ. There's nothing we're ever going to be able to do you know, it wasn't like when people came to the show last year or the year before, like, you know, we weren't wearing cowboy hats and and Wranglers, you know, um, it was still us. It just was a little, but I, you know, uh, we're happy right now. We're writing some cool shit. Like the, the new stuff is very, it's, it's old school lit. I mean, it, it, it sounds like somewhere 99 to 03 era lit, but with like a fresh, you know, like a fresh sauce on it, you know, nice. it's just, um, and we're pumped, man. I think, um, what's the time, what's the timeline on that um, to come out? Well, you know, we could, I mean, we could realistically put one out, put a song out, you know, tomorrow or, <laughs> or, you know, next month. I think we're just kind of waiting to see. We've got, um, we're talking to some labels right now. We've, we've got, um, we've got some, you know, some interested, I mean, you know, a couple offers on the say, I mean, we're, I think we're in here in the next couple of months, we're about to sign. I think our, I think it's our fifth record deal, <laughs> but, um, but we're excited to get back into the rock world. We really are going to take a crack at rock radio again. We want to, we, I didn't feel it two years ago or three years ago, but right now I feel like it's time. I feel like it sounds fresh again. And I think that's, you know, like when lit, when a place in the sun came out and like atomic, when those records were out and we, all these bands were coming out that were like, and I don't mean to sound like a dick or, 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 um, we were very flattered, but we could tell that. And we know a lot of the bands now, and there are a lot of bands were heavily influenced by a place in the sun that came out five years later. And, but they only took like one aspect of it. It was a very, like, there was a lot of those bands that were coming out around like 04, 05, um, that were, they, you know, they were influenced by that genre, but they took like, 
I don't know how to explain it, but it was, so we were very, all along, we were never afraid to just go, let's throw a stick in this folks. Cause fuck this. We're not right. going to just continue to crank out what people expect. And obviously some of these kids picked up the wrong shit. So we're going to have to really, you know, if, if guys are going to pay that much attention to what we're doing, we're going to at least do, you know, do what we want and say what we want and, and change it up a little bit. And I just think we just never, you know, maybe, maybe to our, to our own detriment at times, you know, I think we, we, we just, we would get bored and just kind of do a 180 and go, well, here, fuck it. Or, you know, I was using steel guitar you know, on shit in 99. I was, you right. know, we had the horn, we had the horn section from earth, wind and fire on in 99, you know, and in 05, we had, I mean, just, we never, I think with, with, when it came to music, we just were never intimidated or scared to just kind of say, fuck it and just do what made us happy. Yeah. Yeah. Try something. Um, well, I, you know, I'm excited to hear that if it's anything like what you guys wrote in your past, you know, with the melodies and hooks, you know, it's going to be great. Yeah. The music scene needs something like that right about now. Yeah. It needs something. I feel like it needs a shot in the arm. You know, I feel yeah. like I've been feeling like that for a long time. You know, I've been, I think, it, I think what sort of connected the dots was we were just like, wow. My own worst enemy is getting played more today on, you know, FM radio than it was getting played when it was a number one hit. And we were just kind of thinking about it. We're like, fuck, it's, it's like it, it there, you know, and then if you listen to a station like K rock in LA or, or, you know, the problem that, that there's a third of the, of the rock radio stations left in America that there were 20 years ago, which, mm -hmm. It's really sad, you know, but the ones that are left, if you listen to one for an hour, I mean, you're going to hear Lit and Offspring and Blink-182 and, and, you know, maybe Pearl Jam and Nirvana and SCP, but you're going to hear um, old shit and then you're going to hear new shit. It's like a, there's like a 20 year gap between, between the playlists and it's super weird because it's like, but it, but there's been such a lull in that, in that in that uh i want to say market but just in that in that style like in modern rock i mean yeah i agree i mean name a name a name a new band that's come out in the last 10 years that that you know fired kids up to buy an electric guitar or hang a poster on their wall i mean exactly. yeah, maybe 21 pilots you know that mm -hmm. 21 pilots might be it <laughs> yeah there's not a lot like like there were it's it's sad <laughs> So I think it's time for, I mean, fuck, if no one knew is going to do it, then let the old guys have another crack at it. Right? Yeah, man. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into um, your project with AJ, Pop-Off Brothers. Is that, um, I mean, you guys wanted to continue to write country and just, I mean, why did you choose to do Pop-Off Brothers? Well, I think it was, we had written and recorded I think, I think it was, I think four songs, four or five songs. And we weren't sure. Well, at the time we were sure we were just, we, we recorded them and we wrote them, recorded them and fixed them. And then as we were listening back to them and playing them for some of our friends, it was kind of like, do we want this to be another lit record that sounds, you know, that's confusing to people and, you know, if 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 rock's not gonna mess with it and country's not gonna accept it because we're sort of rock and roll out, even though you know I've been in Nashville for 15 years and written country songs and had country you know songs on records and things and and I think you know people in Nashville know me as a Nashville guy as a songwriter guy even though I was an Orange County rock guy, but um, I think it's just like we just kind of both Adrian and I just sort of had a, an epiphany one day. We're just like, dude, I don't want to stop making this kind of music, but I don't think it's lit. And I think it's confusing people more than it's helping people sure. or yeah. getting people fired up. And so fuck it. Like, let's just, let's just do something that gives us the outlet to be able to do it. If we want to do it, 
now if we you know if this new lit record comes out and we're back to you know touring constantly and 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 radio embraces a song and we're you know back in it then you know it may it may be a couple years before a pop up brothers song drops but um as long as we're sort of here and in COVID jail and we're still, you know, writing songs and doing whatever. It's just, I think what it did was it freed up our, our ability to now we're focused on what the new lit record is going to sound like. And it's, we're not worried. Like I think before, I think if this was like four years ago and you put a gun to my head and said, write me a song, it would probably have come out country. But I think that now that we've got that other ability to that other vehicle to release other music i think it 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 opened up the it's almost like the clouds parted in the sky and we started like writing these songs again that sounded like old lit and we were like yeah fuck yeah that's what that's that's cool you know that's what we want yeah sometimes you have to do something different to get back to what you're originally were doing you know what i mean well i think you know i think it frees up your yeah um, get you out of like a rut you know it's like seeing other people kind of thing. <laughs> well, Sons and Daughters of Summer, I mean, that that's a great song. Another another great song by you guys. Thanks, man. Yeah, we've we've got a handful that we're that we're pretty proud of, you know. Um It's like it's natural for you guys just to write hits. <laughs> well, they're they ain't all hits, but they're <laughs> but it's they feel good and you know, that's all we can do, man. It's all we can, all we can do is write songs that feel real to what we're doing and what we're living. And, um, and then, you know, if, as long as we, as long, I mean, we won't really put anything out unless we're, unless we feel really good about it. And, um, yeah. so that's all we're, that's all we can do. I'm just, you know, we're still just, uh, stoked about the process you know i i still to this day i mean we just recorded another new lit song um we're supposed to get some mixes tomorrow we'll have three three more tomorrow that we should be listening to that and i just you know i love as long as we've been doing this you know and as long as i've been i've been writing songs since i was a little kid it's still a real trip to me it's a it's a because we you know we go through phases of nothing you know go yeah. through like mm-hmm. you know three or four months of just like fuck man i don't even know do i, do I still know how to play guitar like what the hell's wrong with me <laughs> yep <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like boom and then all of a sudden you, know, you you just go through this so learning how to like embrace the the creative waves when they come and then giving ourselves a break when they don't and um but but still being um kind of blown away by just the process of it like I don't, I, I definitely don't claim to be some sort of song, um, you know, some fucking crazy craftsman guy. I just think I'm one of a, of a handful of people. And there's a lot of us, especially in this town, but there's just, you know, I don't, I, it, I guess kind of like a psychic or, or, or somebody it's like, there's a, there's a few people in the world that just happen to be able to harness whatever the fuck happens when something falls out of the sky you know it's like um sometimes it's hard and but it but it's um we don't take it for granted i guess is what i'm trying to say it's still walking into a room with a guitar and a bottle of you know tito's and walking out six seven hours later with a with something that you can press play you know for your kid or your wife and go hey check this out what we did today it sounds like a fucking song like that blows my mind still yeah that's the best yeah (laughs) Nothing like that. You prefer uh, studio or or live? Uh, I mean, it's two different worlds for me. Um, usually, never in both worlds at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we kind of go from writing mode to studio mode to road mode. Um, but definitely, live is what we dreamed about when we were kids. You know? Yeah. Like no, no, none of us ever. You know, we, we, we weren't, you did, you know, they never had centerfolds of in circus magazine of dudes sitting behind a mixing board. <laughs> right. you know? So it was always our dream to, to, to play live. And it's, it's, it's where we get our ultimate 
six from, but, um, but I do love the creative process and especially now, um, the technology, you know, is so much, God, it's so much easier to make. <laughs> to yeah. Make that has changed now. since yeah. your first Thank ones, huh? Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, um, so I love the process, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's fun, but I, I, you know, I'm jealous of some of these guys that have like studios on their bus, you know, they're out on the road and they play a show at night and then they do their thing. And then they're in the back of the bus, like working on a new song. I'm always like, dude, I don't know how the fuck you do that. My, my brain, <laughs> my, my brain's, it's only capable of being like in one mode at, at, the, at a time when right. it comes to music. Do you have a studio at your house? I have a little rig. I have a little logic rig mm. and, um, I've got just enough to like lay something down if need be, or AJ does a lot of vocals over here because um, um, he prefers to. He he's never been a fan of singing in the studio. So where does he like to sing? Well, he had to sing in the studio in the old days, so he didn't have a choice. But he always he, he's never been a big fan of the the air conditioned cold studio with people on the other side of the glass. And, right can't always hear what they're saying, but you can tell they're talking. And, right. you know, he, he just, he was never, that was never his thing. Just like, you know, live television was never his thing. He just, he, it just wasn't, you put him on a stage and he, he runs wild and he loves it. But it, it, I think it's just those sort of naked feeling, isolated moments where it fucks with his head, you know? Right. So, you know, when we're at the house, we just set up the rig and we've got the great mic and the great, you know, all this shit presets and preamps and all this different things that we've got that give him his sound. And then, you know, I've got a great whiskey collection and, um, and he'll just <laughs> crack open a bottle and just do it, do his thing. But it doesn't feel, you know, it doesn't feel like the red lights on, you know, when you're at the house. Yeah. 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 Um, you ever have caramel salted whiskey? What is it? It's caramel, caramel salted whiskey. You ever hear I have not had that yet, no. Well, if you like that kind of thing, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, I got some of the peanut butter, the, the uh, screwball peanut butter whiskey. Peanut butter. And uh, it will, we'll do that. We'll do the peanut butter old-fashioned with little chocolate bitters. And it tastes like uh, dessert. Like a, like a Reese cup or something? <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, when you're in a studio recording guitars... What kind of setup do you have in there? I mean, because you get a great sound, I think, on your recordings. Are you going? Uh, are you miking strictly, or are you going direct and miking? What what's going on there? It's always been a little bit of both. Uh, these days, it's much more direct because we've got we've got sounds in in the uh, like I'm able to pretty much emulate my amp sound with with plugins and different settings and different things we've found. I mean. Um, back in the day, like, you know, my worst enemy, I'm placing the sun on that record and on atomic. I mean, I was using, I still have a, I've got probably half a dozen really great vintage Marshall heads. I've got, um, I've got uh, three or four JMPs, like late seventies, um, a couple 50 Watts, a couple hundred Watts. And I've got JCM eight hundreds. Um, I've got a couple of, uh, bad cats um when james was still alive and hand making them he built me a couple that were just screamers and um and i've modeled all of those and so I will, when i play live now i'm, I'm using uh, i'm usually using a marshall amp and a kemper and my kemper is modeling my uh, like my prize marshall jmp mm -hmm. um but you know you just don't need to really fuck with all that anymore. I mean, there's just so many great sounds in the box. Right. That'll mm -hmm. get you through, you know? I mean, I, I, I hate it because I'm such a Marshall, you know, stomp box purist. Um, usually by the time it's a record, I will have gone, gone back in and really mic'd it up and really um, gone back to like my live rig. But for like demos and shit, I just, I'll just use whatever, whatever sounds close. Mm -hmm. But I still, to this day, have this pretty much the exact same setup that I had 25 years ago. Nice. Um, it's just gotten a little more complicated. Um, 
as we've added a Kemper to the chain and we've, you know, try swapped out different pedals. But to me, like um, uh, a JCM 800 or a JMP um, with, you know, greenback Celestians and a boss SD one super overdrive. I mean, that combo right there to me is like there, you can't beat that. That's yeah. nothing, like, nothing sound. like a Marshall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was my sound in the yeah. early nineties when, when it was dated sounding and then in the late nineties, when, when it was kind of like the alternative, the uh, grungier type shit. And I would come out on stage with that sound and, you know, people would be like, dude, you're, you you're fucking coming out here. You know, you're, you're playing like alternative music, but you, you know, your amp sounds like fucking rat. And I'm like, well, I fucking love rat. <laughs> right. I, it took me years to fucking figure out that lay it down tone. <laughs> what were, what were some of your influences? Personal influences. Guitar wise. Yeah. Man, I, well, you know, the Iron Maiden, um, Dave Murray and Adrian Smith. I mean, they're the reasons that I, wanted to do this in the first place. So they were always huge influences on me and uh, Glenn Tipton from Judas Priest and Randy Rhodes. And those were the guys that like blew me away when I was nine years old. And then as I got a little older, um, the guys that really, um, George Lynch, I think is one of my, George Lynch from um, like tooth and nail under lock and key, those two records Mm -hmm. and, and, and live like, he was the guy that, you know, that kind of, I, I think that some, not to compare myself to him at all, because he's, he's a thousand times the guitar player that I am, but I think my, my vibrato and some of my bends come from being influenced by him much more than anybody else. Um, just that, um, that kind of one note he can, he can, play a thing and it's only you know it's it's eight strokes of the strings but it's only two notes and it's like fuck how do you, you know but um and then but melodically you, you know as i started getting more into writing songs and doing all that i was influenced more by songwriters and, and melodies and i just got you know so boston tom schultz is a huge influence and barry goodrow just their harmonies and their simple the simple riffs the simple um simple solos that 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 sound like melody lines for a, from a, from a, you know, from a song. And that's kind of, um, I think that's what ended up sticking with me the most was <clears throat> trying to create, uh, I, I've never been a jammer. I've never been like a guy, I, you know, I don't jump up on stage with other bands and just, you know, shred, you know, right. what key is this in? Okay, here I go. When's my turn? <laughs> Uh, all my solos and all my parts are, are, are thought out and they're, and they're usually written much like a, uh, you know, like a lyric or a, or a, or a melody. And cause I've always been fascinated with that and, and influenced by, you know, Boston songs. When you think of a Boston song, you know, you, you, you think of the guitar part a lot of times first, right. or, you know, even like, I don't know, journey, like don't stop believing like the solo in that song is almost like its own song, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Um, so you got new lit coming out, you're working on pop off brothers. Um, what do you think is next after COVID's over for you? If it's Um, over, right? I mean, do we even know if it's over? I don't, I don't think it's ever going to be over. I just think people are going to figure it out. You know, people yeah. are sick like anything else. I mean, I, we could go down a whole other rabbit hole. Right. <laughs> right. We could do a whole part two of this discussion, but yeah, I just think, yeah, I just think we're, you know, human beings are, are resilient and we're, you know, we've had, we've had stuff like this since the beginning of time. And I think we're going to be fine. I think it's, I think it's not as bad as they, is they are trying to make us think it is. I don't think it's, I do think it's real. I do think it's dangerous. I do think we all need to be safe, but I don't think that we, um, I think that sooner or later people need to be responsible for themselves and, and, um, you know, life is a risk. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a risk just getting in your car or getting on an airplane or get, you know, um, crossing the street, you know, we're all, we're all grown ups, and we should be able to, 
we should be able to um, assess and manage our own risks and, and do what we feel we're comfortable with and uh, and protect people that you know need to be protected. But um, I think that I think that that's going to happen. I mean, I think. Yeah, I think it's going to happen the second week in November. To be honest with you, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right now it's all political, yeah. But um, but you know, I just hope that we get back to um, it's weird. It's a, it's a weird time. It feels like it feels like when bands put out music right now, it's it, they they it's almost like you got to put out a song a month because the attention span is so short, mm. and um, people's social media attention span is just so all over the place it, 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 it it's so i feel like you know it's gonna be tough to sell and i don't mean sell like monetarily i just mean it, it's gonna be tough to sell people songs if you're not coming to their town sooner or later it, it's gonna be tough to convince people that to buy your new record if they're not seeing and feeling it i feel like right I, well i, I don't mean, that, that's the point of going on tour right support that album which I, and I also think too that you know albums are kind of a waste of time, waste of money anymore. Nobody nobody gives a shit. That I mean, I do, and you guys probably might mm-hmm. or do. Mm-hmm. I love a I love a great full album, and I'll buy it on vinyl and the whole nine. But most people don't give a shit about twelve songs or eighteen songs or or you know even nine songs. It's like give me one or two and let me throw that in my playlist with a bunch of other shit, and then in three or four months give me something else new and same thing with radio stations or maybe you don't even so much radio stations like fm stations but i know for a fact that spotify they won't even fucking add you to a playlist if the song is you know more than three or four months old and it's just like well then how how do you do that you you know just if you put a record it used to be you know you put a record out and you put as many singles out as people gave a shit about you know Mm-hmm. But the fact that the fact that the Spotify guys will literally just be like, nah, that's you know, God forbid you put a record out in October, right? You know, and then in March you're like, hey, but the, you know, there's a bunch of great songs on here. They're like, ah, that's, that's last year's news. <laughs> so you, so, I, I'm sure you would take that into consideration when releasing a new release, right? I mean, I, I just don't know what the what I don't know what the new. It's all kind of new and foreign to me. I don't. I don't. Do we yeah. just put out a sing, uh, uh, We do we just put out singles? Do we put out an EP? Um, I've even heard the logic of some bands are putting out albums now that are like have eighteen to twenty songs on them just so they get more streams because you know streaming doesn't pay shit. So right. it's a numbers game. So you got to have as many things as possible out there being streamed in order for it to even you know buy a fucking cheeseburger Mm. um so it's all it's all you know the good news is that we will definitely have cool new lit shit coming out one way or the other and i don't know what form it's going to come out on or how many it'll come out but we'll we'll you know the some of the people that we're talking to for this new record i mean we're we're going to get we're going to partner up with a great company that's going to have the right vision and and expertise to know yeah, what knowledge you know what to do i hope you know right right okay. but you know then at the end of the day if, i mean shit if not we'll just throw it out ourselves we'll just throw it up there and <laughs> tell right. people where to find it right yeah i mean might might almost That's a great thing might almost be better in, in some ways well we love that that we love that freedom you know that, the freedom of um of just you know we could literally write a song today pretty much record it finish it mix it tomorrow and theoretically throw it up online and and have it available for public consumption within you know 24 48 hours and that's yeah that's pretty awesome it's just that without a machine behind it, it it goes relatively un under the radar you know yeah 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 so that's that's the only drag because you put so much um you put so much time and effort and you know by the time you release something and you're hoping that it's going to have some sort of a shelf life and um it's just harder and harder 
for that anymore because people, like I said, and I'm guilty of it too. I mean, it's my attention span. You know, my ADD kicks in. I don't have. I'm not on a constant quest to discover new music. You know. Yeah, yeah, man. I remember, you know, back in the day, we'd go wait for that album to come out, bring it home, and you'd sit there and listen to it front to back. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's not like that I mean, anymore. we would. You would. I would read the liner notes. I would, you know. I knew where the photo was taken, who the photographer was. Yeah. You know, that was, that was that part was of the deal. experience. Ride your, I would ride my bike down to the, you know, to Pier records in Anaheim and, and, um, and then go straight from there to like my buddy's house to like listen to it together. And, read. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, we're just dating ourselves, I guess. Yeah, it's all right. The good old days. But I will say this, which was kind of awesome. I'm sure you guys saw this stat that came out. I think it was yesterday. The the vinyl? Vinyl's out selling CDs. Yes, I saw that. I was so excited when I saw that. I saw that too, yeah. I love vinyl. There's nothing really... I mean, mean, nothing wrong with with CDs, but there really was nothing... um, special about cracking open a cd and you know sliding it into your dashboard and watching it disappear that was never (laughs) that was never um what was always a thing was pulling that vinyl out and being careful with it not to scratch it and and you know putting it on your turntable and and you know hearing that crackle before the first note kicked in and all that shit is is part of it and and i think that I mean, I got to believe that kids are discovering that now and that's why vinyl sales are what they're doing. And I, I'm so, it's such a sign of, of such a positive sign that people are experiencing that. You know, I think too, you know, people during the lockdown, you know, you, you, once you get through all the shows that you can binge watch, and there's really nothing left on Netflix and you're kind of just like, Oh, what, what do I do now? Like, Oh, let's, let's play dominoes or let's do a puzzle or let's, right. you know, plant some shit in the garden. And then you get to this other point where you're like, uh, you know, I think people are like, I want, I want them to just be by myself, listen to a couple of great records, read, look at the artwork, look at the photos and kind of coming back full circle, which so is playing monopoly with your kids. And so is, you know, cooking dinner in your kitchen, like all the shit that kind of vanished over the years is sort of like back yeah (laughs) which if there's any silver lining or blessing to all this lockdown shit it's that it's that we've all i think gotten to sort of reset a little bit and kind of appreciate those more real things yeah and i definitely i think that's the that's the one good thing that came out of all this you know kind of lost our way over the years and uh it was but that is good that that came out of this but all right, Jeremy. Um, listen, man, I really appreciate you taking the time talking to us. Um, it was a pleasure. Likewise, fellas. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for coming on the show and looking forward to the new lit stuff. Can't wait for that. Yeah. Going to be watching for that. So, yeah, we're excited, man. I think, I think, um, you know, I think our old, old school fans and friends are going to be pumped. The people that we've played, just the first couple things for are, are freaking out. So, um, yeah, hopefully man, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, listen, you take care. Um, and then you guys uh, too, man, we'll see, we'll see you out there when they, once, once they let us go outside and play again, we'll, we'll have a cocktail at a show. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Can't wait. I'm in uh, South Carolina, Myrtle beach area. Mm. And, uh, I'm down, down in Florida. yeah, I'm down in Florida. Did you get hit with uh you faring okay through the storm? Uh we just got the fringes of it. It wasn't too bad. Um it just skimmed right by us. But uh yeah, it rained all weekend, but nothing nothing too serious. Yeah, we actually got it right now, actually. Came yeah, it's up. coming everything comes your way, man. I know. Yeah. We're like in a <laughs> bad just... location in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> it just hung a right at Nashville. Hung a right at Tennessee and went straight for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean it's been rainy and when we had to uh it's been windy, actually. I was surprised we had to bring in the plants and you know that that whole deal. But uh, 
yeah, it's it's passing. Right before we moved here, you know, the tornado that hit Nashville, um, we we moved here in March, but we actually bought our house here um, like three and a half years ago, and we uh, um, we got here about uh, well, we were without power and everything for a month. So I guess we were here a month after the tornado, but the, it ripped right through my neighborhood. And we pulled up, moved, you know, to, to move here permanently. I mean, there were just blue tarps on almost every roof on the street. And all my neighbors have new fences and new roofs, and you know, like literally visual distance from my, you know, from my back deck is, I mean, you can just see where houses used to be and they're gone. And uh, yeah. We probably lost like, you know, 30, mature trees in the back of our house and I, it was it was fucking absolutely gnarly just how close it came but how lucky we got but uh you know being being a california boy you know everyone thinks the earthquakes are are freaky but uh, and i guess they are you know, they are kind of freaky getting used to all this tropical bullshit <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you'll be get yeah, tennessee gets hit with that quite a bit right the rain and stuff from these storms we get a lot of it. Yeah, we get it usually peters out by the time it gets up here, but it but yeah, we'll get it. I mean, it rains a lot in Nashville. It's it's not like the kind of rain like, you know, it's not like Seattle rain, but it's um it's just enough to mess up your car right after you wash it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's why it, it's funny that they got these uh I'm sure they got them over there too, but you know, we don't have like um membership car washes in California like we have out here. I I just I pay you know, 30 bucks a month. And I drive my car every time I pass it, I'm just like, Oh, I guess I'll pull through. Yeah. It probably rained four times since the last time. But. Yeah. My wife, had, get, she gets that. And same thing. Every time we go by, I got to get the car washed. I said, we just got it washed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get the membership. You got to use it, I guess. But right on fellas. Well, y'all be safe. And, uh, yeah, you too, man. All right, Jeremy. Thanks, right, bud. Have Thanks, Jeremy. Take Bye. care. Bye. That's all for this week. Join us next week for another episode of the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show podcast. Available on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.